Welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. As always, if you have questions, if you'd like to make a comment, or if you have a suggestion, please write to me at carlareadstheclassics at gmail.com. And now, let's jump back into Theodore Pratt's The Money, Segment 12. The next day, after the box was dug up, it had been sealed and interred hastily after being discovered to be above ground, and its seals found to be intact and not at once broken, a conference was held about taking some money for each of them to spend. Joey had been clamoring for this, and it was time to decide what should be done. Another box chair had been brought for him as they sat for the discussion. The TV was turned on and kept playing constantly, though kept low, usually showing a western or gangster picture. The door was closed and the candle lighted. It was another hot day, with summer now really starting to bear down. George proved to be rather formal this morning when he announced, "'The meeting is open to talk about how much we should take out for ourselves each week.' Joey piped immediately, "'I think we should take anything we want.' George gave him a withering glance. If anybody has got any more ideas as bad as that, I'll close the meeting. It shouldn't be anything like Joey says, Gracie agreed. Of course not, said Paul. Henry said, but it should be something, George gave as his dictum. It sure shouldn't be anything anybody wants. We've got to agree what it should be, said Gracie, and it shouldn't be big. George cautioned. Anyway, not to begin with, Henny amended. Not ever, said Paul. I agree with George about that. Well, how big? Joey demanded and added instantly. Don't make it too small. They thought. Joey pressed his point. How about ten dollars a week? George objected immediately. Too much. People would notice. We could be careful, Henny suggested. The trouble is, Paul said, some of us wouldn't. I suppose you would, Joey demanded. Paul did not deign to answer. How about five? asked Gracie. George shook his head. Still too much. It's more than any of us get as allowance, he considered. Maybe it should be based on our allowances. How do you mean? asked Henny. Well, I mean, some connection with them. Now, I get two dollars a week. We better go over what we all get. They knew very well what each received, but they went over it. A dollar and seventy-five, reported Paul. A dollar and a quarter, said Gracie. A dollar and a half, said Henny. Miserably, Joey admitted, seventy-five cents. That's why I have to have more, maybe more than you. They shushed him on that and went on with the discussion. It might be an idea, George proposed, to see what an average of all our allowances come to. Add them up, Gracie. Gracie got out of her notebook and worked in the back part of it, as usual for her figuring. It comes to $7.25. Then it'll be five into that. She scratched for a moment and then said, I'm not so good on averages. You do it, Paul. She thrust the materials at him. Paul figured gravely and then reported, That'd be a dollar and forty-five cents apiece. Joey howled, It isn't enough! What are you hollering about? Henny demanded. It'd be a lot more than you're getting now. With what you're getting, it'd be two twenty a week. That's more than George gets. Who's better Who's better than four years older than you? It still isn't enough. Maybe it isn't, said Gracie. Not when we've got all that, 
She pointed to the box, which had been placed on top of the TV, below where some men were busily shooting each other. George had let this discussion go on a while, as he thought some more. Now, he said, maybe it would be a better idea to figure it in another way. Maybe in connection with ages. Suspiciously, Joey said, how'd you do that? Well, our allowances show that some of us need more money than others. That's because of our ages. That way, each of us would get something connected up with his age. Henny inquired, you mean we'd get different amounts? It's logical, because you're the oldest, Paul elucidated, though you're only a little better than a year more than me and Gracie. You'd get the most, and Joey would get the least, Gracie pointed out. Joey's howl now drowned out the shooting on TV. Nothing doing! You do that, and I'll tell about the money. George warned severely. You'd better think twice about that. You'd better think of your oath and pain of death and what we do to you if you do anything like that. I don't care. You said remember our motto. Well, it's all for one and one for all. Nobody gets any more than anybody else. They had to admit Joey had a point there. George's logic fell apart and was dropped. We got to decide something, he said. What? asked Henny. George pondered. We've agreed five dollars is too much. We didn't agree to that, Henny objected. You only said it. Well, it is. It isn't, declared Joey. Let's take a vote on it, Paul suggested. Gracie, you fix the slips. Gracie made a movement to get her notebook, but her eyes, during the discussion, had remained on the TV, where it was exciting just then, and she said impatiently, Why can't we just say? It isn't democratic, said Henny. It's democratic enough. All right, George said. He peered around, waiting. They looked baffled. What are we supposed to say? asked Henny. George made a sound of exasperation. If five dollars is too much, now be careful how you vote. If we show we got a lot of money, something may happen. Everybody who thinks five dollars a week is too much, raise his hand. Gracie raised hers at once. She set an example. Paul followed suit. After an instant, Henny started to raise his, then lowered it. George raised his. That's three against. How many four? Joey shot his hand in the air, and Henny joined it. Three against, three against and two four, George announced. It's carried that five dollars is too much. Four dollars, Joey proposed. I was going to say three, Gracie said. That's better, said George, but I was thinking of two. Anyway, to start, we ought to be careful, very careful, sort of feel our way. We can always raise it later if we want. They pondered. It isn't much, Paul said. But I think George is right, and I go with him. Anyway, to start. George addressed the assemblage again. Everybody who's for taking two dollars a week, anyway, to start, raise his hand. This time, all hands went up, except that of Joey. Against? Joey raised. It's carried, George said, that the five musketeers take two dollars a week each from the money. Disgruntled, Joey demanded, I want mine now. 
the box was opened and a packet of one-dollar bills was taken out. From it, George counted two dollars for each member and passed it to him. With a sigh, Gracie entered this transaction in her notebook, bringing their balance down to two hundred and nine thousand six hundred and seventy-eight dollars and eighty cents. George cautioned them. Now don't forget to be careful. Don't let anybody in your house see you got this extra money. And when you spend it, don't do it in the stores right out near the hills. Go in some more into town and spend it there. If there's an accident and somebody finds out you've got it, you can say you found it. Now, be sure. They promised to be sure. Their faces streamed with perspiration in the closed hot clubhouse. The lighted candle throwing its bizarre shadows of them on the walls seemed to add to the heat. A commercial came on TV, with the sound raising as the decibels were increased so that the advertiser would get his money's worth, especially if he were listening. One of them reached out and turned this lower, and when it was over, like a painful chore, turned it up again, but not too high. The shooting began busily once more. Gracie fanned her face with her hand. Phew! Can't we have the door open? asked Tenny. Somebody going by would see the TV tube light, Paul reminded, or hear it. Anyway, said Henny cheerfully, I bet we're the only ones with the TV in their clubhouse. Joey, who seemed at least a little mollified at having two dollars, said, I wish we could have air conditioning. Gracie offered, We could afford it. Why can't we? asked Henny. We can't, George explained, because we'd have to have electricity. Sure, we could pay the company to run a line to the clubhouse, but when we did that, what do you think would happen? They shuddered. How about a portable unit like the TV? Paul squelched this. They don't make them yet like that, except for the space suits of astronauts before they get into their capsules. Sadly, they dropped the idea of installing air conditioning. Even the wealthy cannot have everything they want in life. Though it was stifling hot in the confines of the clubhouse, it was also cozy and secret and theirs. They found a delightful way to alleviate the heat, at least in part. It was Henny's idea, at first, to have a Coke machine installed. But again, they ran into the stymie of needing electricity to operate the refrigeration mechanism, so this could not be done. Warm Coke is better than none at all, declared Paul. We still have the club. We could have the club keep in a supply. And have a truck deliver it, said Joey, in cases. Too risky, Gracie held. Our people would see it, and no, we didn't have enough allowance for that. I got it worked out, said George. We'll just go to the supermarket over a couple of blocks away and buy it. Nobody will think anything of that. How we'll do it is this. We can all go over together. Each buys two packs. King size, said Joey. Of course, George agreed, as if that went without saying. Henny pointed out, regular size comes in eight bottles to a pack. A ready fount of statistics about this situation now poured from the mouths of the musketeers. Eight-pack regular comes to 69 cents with the two cents a bottle deposit. Six-pack king size is 59 cents. You get more in a six-pack king size than the eight-pack regular. And it's 10 cents less. It's the best bargain. They decided definitely on the king size six-pack. Three bottles a day each, king size, said George, with what we drink at home, too, ought to be enough. 
How does that sound to everybody? It sounded fine. Each of us buying two king-size six-packs, George figured, makes, let's see, um, now five times twelve, it makes sixty bottles every trip. At three a day each, making fifteen means it'll last four days, so we'll only have to make a couple of trips a week. We better not try to get any more every time, or it'll look suspicious. And we won't stay together in the store or coming back. Somebody figure out how much money we'll need. Paul, this time, figured they would need $5.90. The money box was dug up, $6 taken out and deducted from their balance, leaving $209,672.80. George explained that they wouldn't take the exact amount, which they could, because they'd need an opener and they didn't give them away for free anymore, but he thought he could get one for the extra $0.10. Cents. The box was sealed and buried again. The process was inconvenient, but safe. They marched to the store in a body, but upon arrival, George broke them up. Everybody go in separately and just walk around until I get change for the six dollars. Then I'll find you and give you a dollar eighteen apiece. We each got to go back separately, too, and buy a different street in the hills. I'll tell you. Like conspirators, they let George go in first, to one of the cashiers. Then they entered one by one and wandered about in different sections of the huge store, easily lost in it. George found Henny first, gave him the money, and instructed, Be sure to have them put the packs in a bag, and you go back by way of Westminster, not past your house. He sent Gracie by way of Oxford, well away from her home. Paul along Piccadilly and told Joey to go around Coventry. Joey complained, That's the longest way! You go, George ordered. Joey went, and George himself went by way of Oxford, the farthest from his house. The plan worked out very well, and there was excitement in carrying it out, as though outwitting the world of doing some wrong that wasn't really wrong, but merely fun. They met back at the clubhouse with their packages. The coke packs were stored in their chairs, turned on their sides. Their president, for the extra ten cents, had found a wall bracket-type bottle opener, and this was fastened to the wall. Each used this immediately and sucked with satisfaction at his liquid refreshment. Twice a week after that they carried out the conspiratorial ritual. It operated effectively, a thing of joy and pleasure. Once, Gracie, entering the hills with her package, met her mother driving out, and she was stopped and asked what she was doing. Gracie reported this to her fellow musketeers in one breath. I showed her what I had in the package so it wouldn't look like I was hiding anything, and told her we'd pulled some of our allowances to buy it, and it was my turn to get it. What'd she say? asked George. She smiled and said that was nice and not to drink too much of it and then wondered if I should spend so much time with only boys. But when I brought up about all that lived in, in the hills were boys, she didn't say not to. Quite a pile of bottle caps rose on the floor beneath the opener. The slight problem of what to do with the three-a-day bottles allocated to each when one did not come to the clubhouse was simply and readily solved by putting aside that number in his chair to be consumed upon his return, making a bonus day for that member when he drank until somewhat bloated. They had the two essential luxuries of life, 
unrestricted TV, and a sufficient supply of carbonated soft drink. They enjoyed both immensely. Not too many squabbles arose as to what programs they should watch, and when they did, George, with increasing command over them, was usually able to settle the difference of opinion, or at least put a stop to it. They even watched the program Gracie wanted about wayward girls. In gratitude, Gracie brought from her house half of a discarded sheet her mother let her have, which was used for covering up their TV overnight. The boys didn't know why it had to be covered, but Gracie said it ought to be. They found that one battery pack was good for the best part of an all-day playing. When it gave out during the day, a fresh one was put in, and the black case, which had been hung on a nail pounded in the wall above the set. George tried taking a pack home with him, smuggled under his shirt, with the recharging unit, and he plugged it in an outlet in his room overnight. But this was risky, and he did not do it regularly, just enough to keep them going most of the time, though they realized they would have to buy fresh packs from time to time. It was all very satisfactory being able to watch any program they wanted without anybody saying they'd looked enough or not to look any more at all. The musketeers enjoyed the extra money they received and were quite careful about where, when, and on what they spent it. They were far afield to make their pur- they went far afield to make their purchases. At a meeting one morning, Henny reported that he almost got caught announcing that he was going to a movie because his mother knew he had spent his allowance and could not have enough for a ticket. He quickly explained to her that he had borrowed the money from Paul. "You'd better watch that," Gracie told him. "And you'd better think first," cautioned Paul, "about who you name like that." Suppose it had come up about your getting a loan from me, and I didn't know anything about it. Be careful, George urged them again. You've got to be careful. The best thing to do, Paul advised, is to save it. That's what I'm doing mostly. You've got to watch that too, George advised. Where you put the money might be found out. I've got a good place. You better have, Henny cautioned. Gloomily, Joey said, If your mother's like mine, she snoops out every place. More happily, he recalled, She got mad once when she found a live frog where I knew she'd look. Where's your place? asked Gracie of Paul. He would not reveal this, even to them. If you get any amount, George wanted to know of Paul, what are you going to tell them? Like you said, I found it. Henny gave a chuckle. We found it all right. They all laughed. That brought the thought of Mr. Wesley, and George announced that he had been thinking about him and had an idea. They looked at their leader. This brings us to the end of segment 12. Thank you so much for listening.